Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I saw OJ. He was out there doing some other guys. That's OJ, man. Let's go talk to him. He was out there doing some camera work. So I go over to him. I said, Mr. Simpson, my name is Eric Dickerson. He said, how you doing, man? I said, fine. I told him, I said, 2,000 yards in high school. I said, so good. I said, yes, sir. I said, I'd like, I like to break your record one day. He said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm Chris Long, and this is American Prodigies Becoming Great. On this podcast, we highlight the fascinating career journeys of current and former football players. Each episode, we take you on a trip through a player's life, and along the way, explore what it means to be great. Because greatness comes in all shapes and sizes, and every path is one of a kind. Today we're going to tell the story of a player who broke some of the biggest records in our sport. Records that still stand decades later. Records that might never be broken. And he did it all with style. Unique style. No one looked like this dude. And sure as hell, no one played like him. He's a man who wasn't afraid to stand up for himself and what he was worth. Today? Yeah, that's pretty commonplace. But in his day, not so much. And because of all that, he attracted more than his share of bad press. But here's the thing you gotta understand about the NFL. Talent usually wins out. And it's debatable whether anyone who ever played this game had more of it than this guy. And we're lucky, because the guy's a natural born storyteller. He's as close to an open book as you can get. Our subject is Eric Dickerson. Here's the bio on Eric Dickerson. He was born in 1960, raised in Sealy, Texas, about an hour west of Houston. Sealy wasn't exactly a big town. Eric literally chased cows for fun as a kid. But it was definitely a football town, and Eric played for the Sealy High Tigers. Eric's parents, surprisingly, weren't really sports people, but they supported their son's athletic pursuits. You know, people don't know this about me. I was adopted. I was legally adopted. You know, my, my great-great-aunt adopted me like my dad. And so uh, my dad was, I would say, best man I knew. The best man I ever knew. I mean, a true Christian man. Not not the guys that's, you know, the holler about, I'm a holy, you know, oh God, this. We're that kind of guy. I mean, he was, he, he walked the walk and talked the talk. His dad had a saying, all you do, do with your might. Things done by halves are never done right. As long as Eric applied that mindset to football, he'd be happy. Despite his parents' support, things weren't always easy. This was small town Texas in the 70s, after all. Coming from a small town in Texas, you know, and back in segregation, you know, I grew up in segregation. Really, I went to the black school, and when this went to the white school, is that you were a tiger. <laughs> I mean, we kids all knew each other. You know, yeah. you were a senior tiger. That's what it came down to. And when you put on that football uniform, the guy next to you, you don't see his color. It's not about your color. Nope. Hey, this, my, this my guy, this is my teammate. Mm -mm. Eric felt a brotherhood with his teammates. But that same kind of respect didn't always come down from the coaching ranks. And that almost caused Eric to leave the sport for good. I got quit football at one point, and the guy, I'll never forget, I'll tell you a quick story, the guy's name was James Abernathy, we call him Shaq. 
little short guy from a town over 12 miles away called Bookshire. And um, I didn't like my high school coach. My high school coach, I mean, just make it plain. So he, was a, he was a racist. He had never coached blacks before. He came from East Texas and came to coach, and all the black players quit, all of them seven one. And so he came to my house, and uh, I never forget me son pull up. And I like Shaq. I think I was I was a sophomore, and uh, he pulled up, and my mom said, Shaq outside. And I walked up to him and said, hey, Shaq. I said, hey, hey, Ms. Dixon, how you doing? He said, and she said, can you mind if I take Eric and talk to him for a minute? She said, sure, take him and talk to him. So I got in the car with him and rode around my little town. And my town is only 2,000 people at that time, one red light. And so he said, Eric, man, I heard you quit football. I said, yeah, man, you know, I don't like that coach, man, blah, blah. I, you know, I just told him how I felt. And he said, he said, Eric, he said, man, let me ask you a question. He said, so what do you see around him when you ride around this town? I said, man, I said, Shaq, I don't see nothing. He said, exactly, Eric, there's nothing here, Eric. He said, let me tell you something, son. It's funny how older people can see things you don't see when you're a kid. You know, think about it. I said, I was 16 years old. He said, Eric, he said, man, he said, look, he said, you're one of the best athletes we've ever seen in these parts. Now, I'm thinking, really? I mean, I'm 16. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, he said, Eric, I'm telling you. He said, we see something in you that we don't see in other kids. He said, you really should go back and play football. He said, I'm not saying that's your way out. He said, but it could be a way to get your scholarship. He said, I know your mom can't afford to send you to college. And they couldn't. They couldn't afford to send you to college. He said, so if you don't want to play in CD, he said, come on, play in Brookshire. We'd love to have you over here. So I said, okay, you know, I think about it. So, you know, we talked some more. And he was, and, then, and, and I look back, he was so right. He said, man, he said, just go back and play. And just, you know, let, he said, he, I, I never get his word. He said, that white man has his, Eric. He said, don't worry about him. Sure enough, I went back and told my mother what he said. She said, Eric, I told you that. I said, I don't like football. She said, son, I don't like you being a quitter. She said, I don't like that sport, but I wish you'd go back and play. If not, she said, you can play in Brookshire. I'll drive you to Brookshire every day. It was only 12 miles away. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, okay. So all of a sudden, the guy, the coach that came around, he came around that summer and started talking to all the players. I mean, my best friend called me, Gary. He was, hey, man, has Rap Harris been in your house? I said, no. He said, he's on his way over there trying to get us to come back to play. I'm like, okay. So sure enough, he talked to all of us. He came back and played. And it wasn't, no, I'm going to say, it wasn't a feel-good story, one of those stories. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this much. We came back and played. We won a state championship. We won our first state championship, you know, in, in, in my senior year and senior. And that, that was a great feeling. Besides earning a state championship, Eric also ran for 2,000 yards his senior year. Remember that number for later. That made him one of the most highly recruited players in the nation. Huge programs like Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and USC were vying for him. Recruiters would even come knock at his door at 1 a.m. to try to get an edge on other programs. I kind of wonder how his parents felt about that. USC almost wooed him over, and his first trip to L.A., well, it was nothing if not eventful. I got recruited to go to USC. That was my first recruiting visit. That was, that was the first time I'd ever flown on a plane. Wow. Big, a big plane, like a real plane. You know, and I came, I came out here on my recruiting trip. And uh, I'll never forget when I, I got off the plane, scared to death, you know, and, and I saw the mountains, man. I'm like, wow, it was a trip. I'd never seen mountains yeah. before. So I got off the plane and, and Coach John Jackson uh, was there to pick me up, but he wasn't there yet. So when I get off the plane, I'm standing there and you, you don't remember me, but they call it Harry Christians. Right. The Harry Christians, they had the white robes and stuff and the bald heads. And they, they had, they, they, that's when people come to the gate. So they surrounded me. I don't know why they picked me out. I guess I looked lost. They surrounded me with, with, with tambourines and, Hiring Krishna, 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 hiring. I'm like, I'm just standing. I'm like, what? The? And people walking by looking. And so I want to get Coach Jackson grab and say, come on. I said, what's that? And so that's, that was the hiring Krishna. <laughs> so that, so that, was, that, that was my first experience coming, coming to LA. Not long after that, Eric had an even more meaningful encounter. When I went over to, to USC, 
Oh uh, man, that was a that was it was a great visit. I mean, I was just in awe, you know, University of Southern Cal, all the great players they had. My favorite player was OJ. And on that visit, matter of fact, uh, we were out because I came, I came for the Rose Bowl game. Right. I was the Rose Bowl. They played uh Michigan in that right. Rose Bowl game. And um I saw OJ. I'm like, man, I missed some other guys. I said, that's OJ, man. Let's go talk to him. He was out there doing some camera work. And then I said, man, I'm gonna go say something. That's my favorite player. That's why I played running back. Right. So I go over to him. I said, Mr. Simpson, my name is Eric Dickerson. He said, How you doing, man? I said, fine. He said, you find I'm from CB, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, recruit me. I said, yes, sir. I said, what position? I said, running back. I told him, I said, 2,000 yards in high school. I said, he said, really? I said, yes, sir. I said, I'd like, I like to break your record one day. He said, well, good ah, luck with that. <laughs> that is so good. At the end of the day, Eric wanted to be a Sooner and play under Barry Switzer, but his mom didn't give Oklahoma the okay. So what would his second choice be? Well, what happened next is a piece of sports lore. According to legend, the Aggies gifted Eric a gold Trans Am in return for committing to A&M. Some called it the Trans A&M. Eric took that sports car and drove it right down to SMU instead. I mean, what was A&M going to do about it? If they claimed he took the car, they'd have to admit to giving it to him in the first place. It's really a brilliant move by young Eric Dickerson. Eric's always maintained that his grandmother bought the car. I think it's safe to say that if Eric Dickerson played college football today, he'd have much more than a gold Trans Am. The universities are making all this money. The, the presidents are making all this money. The coaches, you know, the, the, the head of the NCAA. Why come, why, come the, why come the guys who are really doing the work, the, 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 the grunts, you know, that's playing the game, they should, they should get something. I, and I've always said that for years, you know, that I felt like that. And I don't care if it's girls, boys, sports, whatever. I think that you should share the revenue, some, share some part of the revenue. At SMU, under coach Ron Meyer, Eric proved himself to be a force of nature. Sharing carries with Craig James, the backfield known as the Pony Express, was a dominant combo. Look at Dickerson knocking people down, all the way down to the 26-yard line. Holy cow! Pitch to Dickerson, blocked by Drayton. Dickerson is gone. Yeah, pitches back to Dickerson, one man to beat. He beats him. He may go. Then five touchdown, Eric Dickerson, 62 yards. McElhenney gives to Dickerson. It's a touchdown. Incredibly, despite splitting the workload, Eric still beat Earl Campbell's Southwest Conference record for yards and attempts. The result? In 1983, the Mustangs went undefeated, ending the season with a win over Dan Marino's Pitt Panthers in the Cotton Bowl. Our final score here once again in the 47th Annual Cotton Bowl Classic, Southern Methodist University 7 and Pittsburgh 3. And the player of the game from SMU is Eric Dickerson, who carried 27 times for 124 yards. Eric said he didn't mind sharing carries because that just kept him fresher once he got to the NFL. And when the league came calling, Eric was ready. The Los Angeles Rams selects on the first round running back Eric Dickerson of SMU. The Rams have expected, have uh, picked Dickerson. I was fortunate enough to get drafted, you know, to the Rams. Mm-hmm. John Robson recruited me. And so when I got to the Rams on, on, on draft day, you know, it was different. You didn't go to New York. You came to the team. Possible. So I came to the team. And when he first saw me, he said, I finally got you. <laughs> Which yeah. is funny because he recruited me in high school. Now it was time to make the transition from the college game to the pro game. And it's not an easy one. It was way different from college. It was yeah. way faster. I'll never forget my first experience in training camp. Um, when I you know, got into training camp and we were in training camp two weeks before the veterans showed up. And uh, John Robson said, look, 
when the wrestlers show up, it's gonna be different. You know, it's gonna be faster. They be quick. I'm like, man, please, it can't be no faster. I mean, because they had a few veterans there. Like you had like 15 running backs. You might have 20 receivers. <laughs> and anyway, right. we almost to walk off. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'll never forget it was Jackie Slater, speaking of Jackie, mm-hmm. and Gary Peter. And we had pass protection. And man, Vince Ferragamo was a quarterback, and you know, he had the red jersey, not the red jersey, couldn't touch the quarterback. And they did all this movement, movement, and you know, and it was like, Rawr! and the blitz came to touch the quarterback, touch the quarterback. I'm like, wow. And it was, it was a guy named Otis Grant, he was a receiver from Michigan State. I said, man, that's too damn fast there. Yeah. So I said, Eric, get in, get in. So I'm going to get, I got in, I'm like, damn, I'm nervous now. The dude say, and I, my man was here on the right. But then all of a sudden, something happened. I get the, 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 the defense moved. Now my, my side went back to the backside, and I didn't know it. So he came and touched the quarterback. Eric, who's your man? I said, I guess him. He said, get out, son. You'll get somebody hurt. I said, no problem. So that was my that was my first that was my first experience. With and pass game. pro is the hardest transition generally. Oh, I feel like man. for running backs too. It's the it's the toughest. It really is. It's tough because you know it's a lot of movement in college. It's not back in the maybe it's now in my days. Guys, when they got the defense, they just sit there. And the right. pros, they were moving to the snap of the ball. And that was that was a lot, you know, for a college kid. And then you got these big ass linebackers that are biggest biggest. I was six foot three, and they were you know six foot three, six foot four. And what were you and really weighing? 225. And yeah, yeah. these guys well, are two, I think 250. Yeah, 250. Yeah, man. But the thing is, they got, they got a, they, they're getting like a seven yard sprint. Yeah. And I got to try to stop it. Yeah. That was, that was, that, that's hard to do. I mean, I think people don't realize how hard that is. But, you know, that was my, that was my experience as a National Football League. From the get go, he was a workhorse for LA. Dickerson into the end zone. Eric's unreal. <laughs> Look at John. <laughs> The Falcons know about Dickerson because when they lost 27-21, it was Dickerson who carried the ball eight times on a 98-yard drive that gave the Rams the winning difference. And he was already breaking records. The one that I've always said that's going to last the longest, it's going to be very difficult to break. Maybe one day a guy break it out and probably won't be here. It's my rookie rushing record. It's 1,808 yards, 20 touchdowns. As a rookie. 308 carries, I believe. 380 carries. God damn, that's a workload, dude. Crazy thing is, Eric's actually selling himself a bit short here. He had 390 carries. It was a singular achievement for a singular player. There was no one who looked like Eric. An intimidating size for a running back, 6'3", 220, wearing every single pad you could imagine, flak jacket, neck roll, you name it. And to top it off, his signature prescription goggles. Wonder glasses. No one played like him either. Before, during, or since. Quick, physical, slashing, nimble, and deceptively fast. Here's what he said when I asked him if there was anybody playing today who reminded him of himself. Nah, no one really. And I'm not one. saying that being arrogant. I just, I just haven't. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I think you say any back like I've, I've never seen anyone run like Barry Sanders. Right. You know, I haven't seen a back run like Earl Campbell. You know. Uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, every guy has their own style. Uh, no, you know, I was I was big, I was fast, and I think people took it for granted that they thought I wasn't fast. I mean, I won't forget I played when I was the Rams. We were Irving, defensive back here, and I mean, he used to argue about you know who's the fastest, who's right. the fastest. I said, Leroy, you can't run me. Mm-hmm. Eric, you're too big to be that fast. I'm like Leroy, I can run now. I mean, you argue. Yeah. I said, Leroy, you can't run me. I said, I mean, it was just funny. So I never forget. 
we go over to play the Jets. Right. And uh, he, we're on the plane. He said, it's a, it's a defensive back over there. Holmes, he said, man, if you break, man, he can run you down. I said, Leroy, he ain't going to catch me. I'm telling you, I said, Leroy, I can run. I'm telling you. I mean, it was, it was funny. It, was, it, was, it became funny. So sure enough, Chris, what happens? Second play of the game, toss left. I break on the left side. Who gets, a, who gets behind me? Holmes. <laughs> and, <laughs> you knew it. And you knew and it I, in real time. I didn't time. know who he was. I, oh, knew, you I didn't know. somebody behind me. I didn't know who was behind me. All I know is that he couldn't catch me. He could not catch me. And at, at that point, I never forget, because John Robinson thought I was always jogging in practice. Right. And he came over after that money and said, hey, I guess you were running fast in practice. Like he was jogging in too. It's I said, a, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you, that was a, that was a curse sometimes because people thought I wasn't trying and, and it, it, it wasn't true. I mean, I, I had, I had it all the times. So, um, I was at a, I was at a bar one night in, in LA and, um, you know, I go to clubs and sit there talking and guys get to talking and the guy like, man, you're Eric Dixon. I said, yeah. He said, man, you ain't that fast, man. I said, dog, don't let that TV fool you now, man. I'm telling you, I ran track. I said, I ran track too. So we drinking and talking and finally I said, man, I said, let's just take it outside. Yes. He said, all right, I said, let's go. So, man, all of us get up, go outside. I'm getting here, don't get hurt. I said, I don't get hurt. I said, what you want to run? He said, well, give me a, a, a jump. I said, wait a minute, you said you can outrun me, brother. <laughs> give me a jump. You, you in the pros. I said, well, you say, I said, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you like a five yard jump. So, we ran, we ran something that couldn't like 50 yards. Man, Chris, when they said go, I was right next to him. <laughs> and I, I beat him so easy. And I'll never forget when he, he said, man, you don't look that fast on TV. I said, where did I tell you? Don't let that TV fool you. Yeah. <laughs> Eric was maybe the most exciting player in the most exciting town. After all, he was playing in Los Angeles in the 80s. Let me tell you something, Chris. It was like the Wild West. It really was. It was like it was no camera phones. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it was like, man, you should have been there, man. You should have saw it. You know? That's, <laughs> that's why you're good. That's why you're a good storyteller. That's why you and my dad are good storytellers. Because there's no fucking like, hey, let me pull this up on my iPhone. Oh no, it wasn't none of that. Thank God. I'm gonna say thank God. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of guys. It was, it was it was a lot of stuff. It was it was a lot of stuff that, that was going on back in those days. Yeah. In those days that that you didn't want to get, get on camera. He knew he'd made it when he started getting recognized by movie stars. I was at a, a restaurant. I was at Nikki Blair's. It was on Sunset. That was a hot spot on Friday and Saturday night. So it was a Friday night. We were playing. We were in town. I was going on Friday nights. And so I, and I knew the owner, Nikki. I look over and I say, man, that's Clint Eastwood. I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm like, dang. And so I'm like, man. I don't know, so, then, so Nikki came, I said, Nikki, I said, man, is that Kenny's more? He said, yeah, you want to meet him? I said, no, nah, I don't want to meet him. He said, Eric, come on, he'd love to meet you. I said, no, he said, no, come on, Eric. So I get up, nervous as I don't know what. I walk over and he said, hey, Nikki, be tight. He said, hey, Eric. Man, you don't even know, that blew me away, man. Yeah, said, by name. Oh, by name. I said, I said, how you doing, Mr. Eastwood? He said, I'm good. He said, hey, said I'm, I'm a big fan. I said, so am I. That's <laughs> you know, cool, man. You know, we didn't have no, no, they had no camera phones, so didn't take no pictures. Yeah. So, you know, just shook his hand and, and, and you know, he said, you know, thanks for being a, you know, a great player. I said, man, thanks for all the entertainment you've given me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On his USC visit, it didn't take Eric Long to call his shot. He wasn't shy about laying his goals out. He was set on breaking O.J. Simpson's record of 2,003 rushing yards in a single season. O.J. told him, good luck. They say luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Well, Eric had been preparing for this moment since he ran for 2,000 yards in high school. And come 1984, just his second season, the opportunity presented itself. Dickerson, first down, up the middle, no one's going to catch him. Touchdown, L.A. Dickerson turning the corner, look at that acceleration, out of bounds, first down inside the 15, and Dickerson, second effort, touchdown Rams. Eric Dickerson, and he may be off. A 51-yard run by Eric Dickerson, and when you have Eric Dickerson on your side, you can get back a lot of yards and points in a hurry. That year, Eric was unstoppable. No one could catch him. Fast forward to December, the second-to-last game of the year against the Oilers. Eric needed a little over 200 yards to break OJ's mark, and he came ready to play, despite a distraction or two. It was the night before the game, it was Saturday night. And I said, I said, come to the hotel. I said, get to the hotel early. She said, you got a game the next day. I said, don't worry about that. I said, just come to the hotel. So I'll never forget, Chris, man, that night, that morning, man, we had sex. I mean, I, I mean, early, man, like, before, like, 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 couple hours before they said, Eric, you're gonna be tired. No, that's, I a, said, that's I, a myth. I, is I, it? I said, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be tired. I never forget that. And I had two, I had 215 yards that day, so I wasn't tired. Ah. <laughs> You know, I, I would say this in, man, I said OJ did it in 14. Yeah. I did it in 15, I did it in 15, 15 games 15, with, right. with, 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 one, with one extra game to go. I had one extra game. Yep. And, I, and I always say that because that, that shows you how hard it is to do. Yep. You know, Chris, I always feel like this here. Do, do I want somebody to break the record? No, I don't. I mean, I always say, I mean, come on, let's be for real. But if a guy breaks the record, so what? He breaks the record. Yeah. I mean, that record has lasted uh, 37 years. Eric was fresh off of putting up 4,000 rushing yards in his first two seasons. These were numbers nobody had ever seen before. And naturally, he felt he deserved a raise. But not everyone agreed with him, especially the media. Yeah, a lot of people think that, you know, that was kind of like the, the uh, I was a guy all after the money and all that kind of stuff. But you got to understand the story, you know, and, and, it was, and back in those days, the media was different. You know, you didn't have a chance to, or you didn't have social media. Yeah. You know, when the media wrote something, it was true. People believed it. And that, and that was that was the that was the narrative. You know, you're a bad guy. You know, you're ingrate. You know, I was I was called things I never heard of. I mean, I didn't know what the ingrate was. I didn't know what a malcontent was. I'm from the country. I didn't, 
didn't know that. They recycled you know, like malcontent that. for OBJ, I think. Uh, <laughs> there was like, you remember the unnamed source? It was like, I haven't heard that fucking word in football in 20 years. So, yeah. You know, when I think it started with me, I swear. <laughs> so, you know, I think the killing part was that how, how it affected my mother. You know, my yeah. mother's Eric. I hate that crap. You know, I hate it because I know how I raised you. You know, I know kind of, I know kind of boy you are, you know, and you know, son you are. After holding out for 47 days, the Rams granted Eric an extension. Despite missing a couple games, Eric still put up over 1,200 yards rushing in 1985, helping the Rams win the division and make the playoffs. In a game against the Cowboys, Eric delivered one of the best individual playoff performances ever, rushing for 248 yards and two touchdowns on 34 carries. Richardson picks up where he left off. It's the bye-bye blues. It's over. Dickerson ran for 55 yards earlier, 40 yards this time, 227 yards today. He's earning his money on his new contract. The season ended the next week when the Rams were no match for the 85 Bears. In the following season, Eric returned to full form, rushing for over 1,800 yards on over 400 carries, helping the Rams make the playoffs again. And again, Eric wanted a new contract. After a few talks with the brass, it looked like it wasn't going to happen, so he demanded a trade. Here's a football player who was ahead of his time. On Halloween 1987, Eric Dickerson was traded to the Indianapolis Colts and reunited with his old SMU coach, Ron Meyer. Eric got what he wanted, but it was far from a perfect match. You know, the, the funny thing about that situation is, is that I don't feel an manipulation to that team. I mean, and I'll tell you why. Um, the coach has some good fans. They have some really good fans. But that was one of the first times that I'd ever been on a team that was really a jealous, divided football team. Really? I mean, I'd never seen it before because I didn't have it in high school, I didn't have it in college, and I didn't have it at the Rams. Right. And I wasn't the only one that thought, I, mean, I just talked to one of my buddies I played with uh, at the coast. I talked to him about it. We talked about it a couple months ago. I said, man, let me ask you a question. I said, did you feel like that team was really jealous and divided? He said, Eric, no doubt. He said, that was one of our problems. He said, that was one of the big problems with the Colts. He said, everybody was jealous of everybody. He said, when we talked about getting you, and he, I said, I'll never forget him. Like, man, they ain't getting no Eric Dixon. Man, they ain't getting, that's, that's a lie. They ain't getting him. They ain't coming here. He said, I never, and I saw you walking through the locker room. I'm like, damn, they did get him. I said, so maybe they're trying to win around him. He said, man, Eric, he said, and, I, and, and you know, that's one thing that I think people realize is that on a football team, even a job, you have to be close knit to be successful. Yeah. I mean, you have to have the pieces, you know, that you know, everybody's not gonna get along. But the vile pieces need to fit. They need to, they need, they need to have the same, the same goals. I mean, and I and, and we didn't know it was had so many jealous players, man. I mean, it was it was really disheartening to see it. And I like I said, never seen it like that before. And then another thing was is that I'd never seen, but first of all, I when I got there. Imagine being told certain places that you shouldn't probably go to. You know, you shouldn't go to like it was places with a veal or a bird. Like it was towns. I forgot some of the names of towns. Like Brownsburg. Right. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. You know. You know what I mean, and you, and you know why? That's yeah, like worse, can. worse than Texas. Oh, way worse than Texas. Oh man, way worse. The vibes were off in Indy. In the face of all that, Eric still managed to rush for over a thousand yards in nine games in 1987. He helped the Colts make the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. Inside the 13, and Dickerson breaks the tackle, touchdown. Oh, the great one through that. 
It's a three-way trade that has all of the clubs involved very happy right now. Buffalo 8-1. They can't complain. They've got Bennett. Rams doing well. They're 7-2. They've got all the draft picks. And Indianapolis has this man, Eric Dickerson. Over the next two years, Eric averaged about 1,500 rushing yards a season. And in 1988, he notched his fourth rushing title and became the fastest player ever to 10,000 rushing yards. He was putting up good individual numbers even though the team was not making the playoffs. Then the wheels started to fall off. Eric was dissatisfied with the offensive line and he wanted a new contract. He held out and in return, he received a team suspension. He finished the season with 677 yards and the Colts fans had turned against him. In 91, it only got worse. Man, it was bad. We were one of 15 that year. Never forget this. And this is this is one of the reasons why I have really hard feelings in everybody in Indianapolis. And I, and I was dating a girl that, that was there at the game, and she said, after, after the game, they took a banner. You know, you hang a banner over the, over, the, over the rail that says, you know, we love the Colts. You know, we love the Colts. They took a banner, hung it over the rails and had a, a picture of a black baby in an Indian-style position with 29, with fried chicken on one side. Um, I, had, I had money on one side, watermelon on one side, and holding and fried chicken, and it's like eating fried chicken. And they let that stay up there till, till, till halftime. I, I never forgot that. And, and matter of fact, some of the players, they, they thought it was funny. I can tell you how jealous we were. And I said, man, I said, no, that's you. I said, it's just check out my number on it. You black? They went, oh, yeah, that's messed up. All of a sudden, they got it then. And I'll never forget the, the, my, my friend. We still a friend in Holly. She said, Eric, she said, I started, she said, I started crying. She said, that, that, she said that, that was hurtful to me. I said, Holly, imagine how it made me feel. And I'm not that trying. I'm not that playing. That's, and that's one of the reasons why. And it was some, don't get me wrong. It was some, it was some, it was some good Colts fan. It really is some really good Colts fan. Yeah. But, but that, you know what they say? You know, I just get over it. Man, you, you don't get over You know, you don't get over that easy. The Colts lost their first nine games. Ron Meyer was fired, and Indy finished the season one and fifteen. I loved the game of football. The love I had for it. And I mean, when I say I loved it, Chris, you know, you know the feeling. I loved everything about it. And I said the sad thing about it is, it's a game that you love so much, and at the end, it's a game that made me hate so much. Before the 92 season, Eric was traded to the Raiders, where he played with my pops. You spent one year with my pops, which I, I totally forgot about. It was in 92. You guys were teammates. And yeah, I don't think the, the Raiders were as good uh, at no. that point. What was – you got any dad stories that aren't going to get him in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No, you know, you know how he, you know, he was a guy that just came to work, played. And went home. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that he's, he's a simple dude in that respect. That was he, it. he know. He, yeah, hey, it's about hey, get my money. Hey, work my craft. Go home and spend time with my that family. Was, that was that was Howie. I mean, you didn't Howie. You didn't hear about Howie going out. It was you see him at practice. You see him at the games, and boom. After that, you see him to the next practice. Yeah, he was telling me stories about when he went on the road. He used to take his little little suitcase with his uh, little uh, portable VCR. So he actually brought like a VCR to the, the hotel and he was in there watching tape. I don't know if that's bullshit or not, Dad. <laughs> but it makes you sound like you were, <laughs> like you were not sneaking not, out for curfew. Yeah, yeah. But uh, times have changed. That's funny as hell, man. Eric claims Al Davis told him the Raiders would trade Marcus Allen when they brought him in. Instead, the two stars split carries. 
neither one was very happy with the arrangement. Eric had some flashes of brilliance that year, some vintage 100-yard games, a 40-yard touchdown run, but he was just about at the end of the road. Eric gets the ball. Eric has his first 10-yard run of the season. Goodbye. 20, 30, 40 yards for the touchdown. It just exploded through there. After a brief stint with the Falcons in 93, Eric's career was done. He went out as the second all-time leading rusher in NFL history. And in 1999, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. In 2019, he was one of the 12 running backs selected to the NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. Around that time, Eric got an unexpected phone call. It was his high school coach, the one that almost made him quit football. He called me about three years ago, and I hadn't heard from this man in years, but he knew a guy that I, that I knew from Vegas. And the guy called me, said, hey, Eric, I said, what's going on? I said, what's going on, Dana? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. He said, man, somebody didn't want to talk to you. I said, okay. So he put him on the phone, and Chris, as soon as I heard his voice, I knew exactly what it was. My heart started beating fast. You know, I was like a kid all over again. I said, uh, I said, how's it going? He said, hey, how's Eric? I said, how's it going, Ralph? He said, it's going good. I said, I said, yeah, man. I said, what's up? He said, Eric, he said, I just want to talk to you. He said, I want to say, man, you had a great NFL career, great college career, Eric. He said, I just want to apologize to you. He said, I was an idiot. He said, I just want to apologize to you. I said, Ralph, I said, man, thanks for saying that. Because, I mean, you know, you, just, you know, when you're a young kid, you know, you think you're right, but you're not sure if you're right when you get older. Right. And I just I just knew how he treated us. It was, it was wrong. And I guess later he saw it too. That's an incredible story, like that thing coming full circle. I mean, and big, on, big of you, to accept the apology. It's, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit for apologizing. Uh, I mean, that's probably 30 years late, uh, but big on you to accept that apology. You know, I did see it come full circle. And like you said, better late than never sometimes. And and, and I, I think like, like, you know, time changes all, Chris, it really does. I can think about the guy that I was, you know, when I was in my twenties, you know, and in my thirties, you know, and, and the guy that I'm now 60, over 60 now, you know, 40 yeah. years later, yeah. you know, we all, we, we all changed. We all changed. Nothing exemplifies that sentiment more than this fact. Decades after all the drama and contract disputes, in 2017, Eric signed a one-day contract to officially retire as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. There's only one Eric Dickerson, a running back about my height with rec specs, a cowboy collar whizzing by defenders like a Trans Am. When I got the privilege of having a conversation with Eric, I walked away thinking, this guy was truly one in a million. He's got the personality, he's got the records that may never fall, but he left a much larger mark on the game in just being a trailblazer. He did it Eric Dickerson's way, and now others can do it their way. Once again, I'm Chris Long, and this is American Prodigies Becoming Great. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. Check back next week for a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be great out there. Be great out there.